not, I guarantee we'll cancel your time share or you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit. Call 800-414-7272. That's 800-414-7272. 800-414-7272. Out of bounds on the roar. Who do you play for? Play for... United States of America. After 35 long years, Clemson got been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming home, baby. It's coming home. You are looking live at Clemson Memorial Stadium in Clemson, South Carolina, where the game of the weekend is about to unfold. Kalman regresa al backfield. De John Watson. Pase. Touchdown! Touchdown! Clemson! Clemson! Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. How great is this? This this could be the final play of the college season, perhaps, if Clemson gets a touchdown to win it. If Bama can hold him out, perhaps a field goal attempt for overtime. Watson. Touchdown! Hunter Renfro. Little man makes another enormous play. And Clemson runs out of the field and celebrates. They come to California and strike gold. And now, William Qualkenbush and Ben Milstead with Out of Bounds on the Roar. Welcome in. Glad to have you with us. We are live on the Roar on a Friday, February 2nd. 2024. Thanks so much for joining us here on Out of Bounds. William Quagginbush and Mike Vaughn with you inside the Upcountry Fiber Studios. Upcountry Fiber is a stronger connection. A pleasant good afternoon here on the second day of February. Uh, Mike, excited to do the show with you. I'm excited to get into a little college football today. Um, we're going to talk some analytics because uh, well, we're talking about the net. I feel like analytics have just absolutely taken a beating this week. Mm. Um, And so I want to talk about what, and I am not the foremost authority, but I read a lot of foremost authorities on this. And so I'm going to tell you why I think it is unfortunate that quote unquote analytics are, uh, are taking a beating this week. So we'll, we'll discuss that. Clemson's got a big game coming up against Virginia. South Carolina's got a big game coming up at Georgia. Duke, North Carolina is this week. We got Brett Friedlander in the next segment. Uh, Terrence Oglesby is going to join us at 2.05 to, uh, to discuss the ACC Big 12 shenanigans that he sort of brought to the fore and took some bullets for this week on uh, social media. And we also have Mackenzie Clark is going to join us from Clemson Softball at 1.05. Nice. Um, I uh, sat down with another softball player, shall remain nameless, uh, but that interview is going to be coming up at some point next week as well. So be on the lookout for that. Very, very interesting sit-down today, and so excited to get Mackenzie on live this afternoon at 1.05. Mike, how are you, sir? You doing all right today? Yes, sir. I'm doing good. Had the early morning start with Mickey. We got things rolling here at the Roar this morning, and... It's uh, shaping up to be a great day. What were the uh, what what were the the sort of topics or the things that were animating people this morning? Well, uh, now, Quark, I don't know if you did. Mickey used to 
allow you to do segment two when you produced? No. No, you didn't get that. That was, a, that was a new thing. That, that was a new thing. That was an add-on after your time, huh? That's right. So That's right. Segment- Some would say I stole time from Mickey. He didn't grant me anything. <laughs> I stole time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we started off segment two with uh, talking about the big Clemson men's soccer national championship parade tomorrow. That's going to be exciting. Yes. We talked a lot about uh, TV ratings comparisons. Uh, Mickey um, gave us some numbers on comparing college athletics and uh, NFL and things like that. Uh, of course, you know, he shared earlier this week about how uh, a billion people once watched a fight with um, the great Muhammad Ali, and I believe that was Joe Frazier, wasn't it, back in the day, the Thriller in Thrilla Manila. Thriller Manila, yep. Did I, did I get that one right? I think that's right. So we talked about some of that. We also, of course, um, talked about some Clemson basketball coming up tomorrow. I think everybody's excited about this Virginia game, knowing that the Tigers need to continue the upswing. So that, that caught a lot of the time this morning. Um, I am uh, a couple things. I am incredibly, uh, I am incredibly excited for the weekend to come. Um, I spent some time. I told you I was, I was doing some softball stuff today, just getting ready for the season and um, having some baseball conversations. And uh, during my conversations on campus today, it came out. Um, I believe Graham Neff may have said it at the board meeting that gymnastics tonight is a sellout. So that's back-to-back sellouts for gymnastics. They're going to have over 8,000 in the building for all three meets. National Girls and Women in Sports Day, big thing going on there uh, tonight, and another ACC competition. Um, you know, I we were encouraging people, like, go ahead and get those at the door. You can walk up, man. Sit wherever <laughs> you want. It's great. General mission. Uh, I'm going to say don't. Don't do that anymore. I mean, you can go and see if there are some available, if people bought them earlier and can't go or, or things like that. But I'm going to say uh, you're going to have to start getting gymnastics tickets ahead of time because those things are going and the seats are going to fill up and uh, every single one of these meets is going to be an absolute madhouse. Yeah, it's going to be packed over there tonight. Now, we mentioned that it was sold out this morning. We had a text. I don't know if it was an official text on the Adams & Co. Roofing text line. That said, there were a few seats left, but maybe by this point they are sold out. So, yeah, I uh, I I believe it's now a sellout. Okay. I can uh, I can figure that out. I can I can double check that. But but hey, just like women's softball at Clemson, uh, women's gymnastic is is proving to be a tough seat over there. That's right. Yeah, and uh, they're doing very well. I mean, they are they they are doing very very well. In fact, you know, I have a website for. Uh, college gymnastics now well i'm sure you do um and only one well i have one main (laughs) one i have one main one in fact google told me the other day that i visit the ncaa gymnastics page often it's on my like often visited it gives me a little thing that says you visit this page often and i'm like well thanks i appreciate that uh clemson right now sitting at 20th in the national rankings in gymnastics they are top 25 in floor and bars they're 18th in the country in floor and then, I mean, I could give you some of the individual rankings and things like that. I'm not going to do that right now. Just rest assured, uh, Clemson's doing very, very well in the ACC and very, very well nationally in uh, gymnastics. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, can I say one thing about um, about Groundhog Day Absolutely. real quick? We're going to bounce around here in the first segment before we have Brett, and we'll we'll start to focus our energy a little bit. What are your thoughts on Groundhog Day? 
Mike. February the the day, not the movie. Well, you can give thoughts on the movie too. Uh, a little Bill Murray classic there. I mean, I'm a bit I'm a Bill Murray fan, but I, you know, I don't get overexcited about this day. It's fun. I don't know that it always comes true, but it is good to think that uh, spring will come early based on what we saw this morning. I normally just tell that little gopher to shove it, okay? <laughs> because here's the deal. I I don't let what happens in where is Vermont, New Hampshire, somewhere where is this there. place? Somewhere, Pennsylvania. Somewhere I've never been. It's in been. Pennsylvania. I don't let things that happen in Pennsylvania dictate what happens to what I think is going to happen in South Carolina. I just don't. I don't have any. Uh, I don't have any concept that that's that's what's going to happen. So why do I let a gopher, a glorified gopher, from Pennsylvania. I understand it's a ground. People are like, it's a groundhog. You know what? Yes. Groundhog, gopher, whatever. <laughs> Fill the glorified gopher is what I was what I call. Um I have uh I have absolutely no concept whatsoever um that like what like the the if 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 you told me the forecast in Pennsylvania today. Why would I think that's going to be the forecast here? If you told me a month from now what the weather's going to be like in Pennsylvania, why would I think it's going to be like that here? That's a good point. Why am I letting a, a groundhog go for whatever in Pennsylvania tell me what it's going to be like here? That's well, what I normally think. When you call him a gopher, it's almost like you're getting the uh, Bill Murray movies mixed up. Because you know the gopher was from a different movie. Ah, that's right. That's right. Very, uh, very, very true. Um, I... Let me say this. If it's if it feels like spring outside, um I'm I'm willing to give him a shot this year. I'm willing I'm willing to give him a shot. Um again, I normally don't have any uh, I, I normally don't have any uh concept or any sort of I'm under no impression that this uh that Punxsutawney Phil is gonna tell me what to do. They're gonna tell me what the uh what the weather is. I've not tracked him to see if he's accurate. I have no idea. Um, Mail Carrie says being born on this day sucks. Um, I Chancy says this, and this is kind of where I'm at. Okay, and I, I I would say that even before today, I don't want an early spring. I want a long spring. Yes. You know what? I I appreciate that, Chancy. That's what we in this like. That's what the the folks who have been snowed on every day. And who are living in snow. Yeah, they want to know if it's going to be an early spring or not. I don't care about early, okay? it's Early spring is good for baseball season, for softball season, for being outside. Like, yes, I would rather it not feel like January and March. That's great. But that is not why I do this. What we want is we want the spring to last. Yes, so I agree. we don't want a two-week spring that turns into summer and then it's 85 every day. Let let's get about six weeks or eight weeks in the the mid seventies, the low seventies here. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I I totally get that the folks in Pennsylvania needed to be spring early, and they really put their hope and trust in this uh, Punxsutawney Phil, or as uh, as another texture set from the seven hundred six says, uh, pay attention. <laughs> I love this. Pay attention to General Beauregard Lee. That's for us in the South. General Beauregard, uh, General Beauregard Lee, um, but Chancey's one hundred percent right. Like, 
I don't need the promise of spring coming early because I don't hate that it's like cold because it's not cold here that much. Really, you have about three cold months. November sometimes gets a little cold, but really we're talking about, and, and March is a little bit cold sometimes, but really we're talking about December, January, February. I don't necessarily, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe people disagree that I don't need it to end early. I don't need it to end quickly. Uh, I need spring to last. That's a great perspective, Chansey. I love this so much. And even text from the 864 says, and this this kind of goes against my point, but I'm willing to allow this, that winter's been weak here lately. I agree. Like, I'm somebody who's like, okay, snow is awesome. I love snow. Hate ice. Love snow. People from the north don't get it. Our cars can't handle the snow, and your cars can't handle ice. And a lot of times we get ice, and so that's why everybody's like, oh, well, you know, we go to work every day, and uh, down in the south, they're all paralyzed, you know? I mean, they're all like they're all like fearful of a little flakes coming down. Uh, no, that's not what it is, Wisconsin. No, it's not what it is, Fargo. No, it's not. Uh, it's the ice that comes with the snow that makes it impassable for some of our rural areas, okay? So you can pipe down on that one, or sometimes 85. Remember the time when 85 was backed up? Nobody could get on the interstate in Georgia? Oh, yeah. Because he had like two inches of snow, but it was a bunch of ice. My wife, anyway. my wife went to school in Fargo for a year, and I said, why? I- <laughs> why? <laughs> we have choices in these matters. That's, you know? that's good. I love that. Now, I, and look, I'm not... I'm not saying that it needs to ice every day, but I'm saying if it's going to be cold, I need some payoff. I need something else. Like, cold for cold's sake is ridiculous. Like, I was kind of mad at Syracuse. It was cold and windy, and they had, like, lake effect snow, like, sort of like wind drift snow is what I would call it. That was bogus. That's nothing. That's like being on a movie set where they're just blowing little white flakes around. Like, I don't, I don't need that. If we're going to have snow, give me snow. Like, we were up in, in uh, Blacksburg, Virginia, and it was like five degrees. The wind chill on Saturday night when we got to Virginia was below freezing. Was not snowing. Miserable experience. Absolutely awful. I don't need winter to linger, to the Texas point. I don't need winter to linger if we're not going to get some payoff. But I also am not, like, jacked up. Like, yeah, man, spring's starting. If it's only going to last through mid-April, and then it's going to be 90 every day. I don't need that. So that's kind of my thoughts, Mike. I know it's a bit convoluted. There's a lot of things uh, working in tandem here. But th- those are my thoughts on Groundhog Day and Punxsutawney Phil. I'm, I'm running with you on this one. Uh, we've gotten a bunch of texts on this. Clemson Copernicus says, we need snow. I agree. We need snow. we got to have it. Got to have it. Uh, a couple of texts from the north, or north-ish. Pittsburgh Tiger says, Quack, it sure doesn't feel like spring up here. Punxsutawney Phil's just another reason for a big party in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I love that one. Oh, man, I love that one. Badger Mike says, nice Midwest accent. You know, Mike, thank you for that. Uh, I, you, you betcha. I, uh, you betcha, and the like. Uh, I've been watching, I have been watching Fargo. I did just watch. I just finished this season of Fargo like a week and a half ago, and uh, it gives you a lot of good material to work with. You know. Hey, speaking of uh, north of Clemson, you want to try to get Bill and Easley in before your next guest? Yeah, let's or f- do, before your first guest. Let's do that before we get to Brett. Bill and Easley joins us on the phones. Bill, what's up? 
Uh, thank you, fellas. I appreciate your show. I was thinking about what you said about Phil above the Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> uh, I got friends up in the north, and they whine and bellyache about us with two inches snow down here. But when it gets 90 degrees and our boys are out on the football field with 70% humidity, we're out there playing. They close the schools down. I just want you to know that. Yeah, you but, know uh, what? I'm glad you said that because you know what? Let's say we're soft in the winter. All right, we're soft when things are dangerous. All right, if you're soft in the heat, there's nothing wrong with 90 degrees. All right, you can survive in 90 degrees. It's fine. I appreciate you saying that, Bill, because we can make fun of for being soft in the South, but uh, the North is equally soft. I would agree with that. Yes, sir. I agree with you 100. percent And I appreciate the text for bringing in uh, General Beauregard too. But listen, you wet my appetite the other day. You were talking about uh, baseball starting up, and we're looking forward to uh, seeing some good baseball this year. And I hope the Atlanta Braves will do better this year than they did last year. Thank you for taking my call, and you all have a good day. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate the phone call. You know, we're still sort of waiting on some of the big names to sign. And so we're still waiting on some of the uh, dust to settle. Corbin Burns got traded from the Brewers to the Orioles yesterday. That was a big trade. Um, in this market, it may not mean quite as much because I think the Braves see themselves as above the Brewers. As a Reds fan, that was a big deal. Uh, me, my dad, and my brother are all giddy because Cor- Corbin Burns is out and another contender is down a major piece in our division. Uh, this is the time of year where we start worrying about that. Spring training is right around the corner. Pitchers and catchers, man. Like a week and a half. Softball starts in six days. Clemson softball starts in six days down in Clearwater. I think they play Indiana first. And don't forget what's coming up Sunday. That's right. Oh, yeah. Uh, Orange and purple scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Love that. Um, stay with us. We will have Brett Freelander join the show. We're going to talk a little ACC hoops. I, You know what? I was enjoying Brad and John's conversation about ACC hoops because I think the perception of the league thing there is a point where it's sort of just noise. Um, we're going to try to sift that out. Because at some point, your teams actually have to prove that they're good. And so that's something I want to bring up with Brett. And I also want to bring it up with T.O. Because I think T.O. understands that like what the Big 12 has done to gain the system, it helps them on the metrics, and then it hurts the ACC at some, and in some ways that they've scheduled up. But at some point, when you're not playing teams that are highly regarded, you have to handle your business. You have to prove to everybody that you can play. And I think once we get to March, with another month of data, a few of these Big 12 teams will prove that they probably are a product of like trying to beat the system. And I think one or two more ACC teams will prove that they're worthy of inclusion. But who those are, I mean, we're running out of time for them to step up. We'll talk about that on the other side. Stay with us. Hour one of the program continues with Brett right after this. One Tom Plumber will be there in an hour, or they'll discount your bill. In one hour? Yeah. Just dial the number one, then Tom Plumber. That's their name. That's their number. Call the plumber whose name is his number. One Tom Plumber. One Tom Plumber. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC Terms and Conditions Supply. Are you the decision maker in your company? Do you want more control over your business spending? Meet Ramp the only corporate card and spend management platform designed to save you time and money. 
Ramp offers unlimited corporate cards with spend controls you can customize to stop wasteful spending before it happens. Ramp makes expense reports a breeze by automatically collecting receipts and matching them to the right transaction. You'll close your books in hours instead of days. Ramp allows you to see all of your company spend in one place, so you can make quick, informed decisions about your business finances. Plus, Ramp will share insights based on your spending to help you cut costs. Over 15,000 businesses have added up to 5% to their bottom line with Ramp. You can be one of them. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com sports. Ramp.com sports. R-A-M-P.com slash sports. With your choice of select sandwich, nugs, fries, and a drink, Wendy's $5 Biggie Bag is your go-to. Your nugget wingman. Your hot and crispy fry co-pilot. Just like us. We're like the bag boys. What? Bag boys, bag boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when we bring your food? <sighs> For a deal you can count on, bet on Biggie and choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Bag boys, bag boys. U.S. price participation may vary. Includes choice of TVC or crispy chicken sandwich with four-piece nugs, junior fry, and small soft drink. Third-party delivery pricing may be higher. Live and local sports talk coming to you from the Upcountry Fiber Studios. This is 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. Serving the five counties of the South Carolina Upstate. Upcountry Fiber is a stronger connection. What's Quok ranting about? I have no idea what I'm doing, but I know I'm doing it really, really well. Find out weekdays from noon to 3, right here on The Roar, where every day is game day. All right, our one continues out of bounds. William Quagamish, Mike Vaughn with you. Uh, a lot of good Groundhog talk. I will say I've gotten several texts from people up north, like uh, Clemson Cheesehead says, your Wisconsin accent was great. I mean, truly, I, I thank Fargo for that and uh, making a murderer. Um, everybody there is from Wisconsin. It gives you some great material, uh, some great material to work with. Um, you know, I know some people from Chicago, great material to work with there. You're just like, you're just not mocking, but you're, you know, you're just trying to sound like people. I don't even know. Like, I couldn't tell somebody how to do that. But you just listen to people and try to figure out how to make yourself sound like they sound to you. Um, Fargo is helpful. And to see the way, like, those actors and actresses get in character. And, like, I've heard them on other shows. A lot of that cast. I've heard them on other shows for all the seasons. And they do not sound like that. And they could fool me. They could have easily fooled me on that. Uh, That's a great... if, If you've never watched Fargo, the series... Anthology type, big cast, a lot of big names. Uh, most recent season just hit FX and Hulu. Love that. Absolutely love that. Uh, Texter, <laughs> Texter says from the 864, as we're continuing to uh, as we're continuing to talk about this. <laughs> did you know there was a Greer groundhog, Mike? Did you, <laughs> did did you know that? I was in Greer the, yesterday morning. The Greer groundhog predicted in early spring, and I'm looking at pictures. And it's just a stuffed groundhog in a guy's yard. <laughs> just a stu- just a stuffed groundhog in a guy's yard. Uh, that was uh, that was very good. Very good text from the eight six four. Um, texture Omaha Hank says this: as someone who just lived through a month straight of highs into single digits and wind chills of minus forty, I thank Punxsutawney Phil. Let us thaw Midwesterners have this quad. Listen, I I agree, hundred percent that if you're in a cold place. 
where it's been cold and not snowing every day. Like you don't again, you don't even get the benefit of having like beautiful white snow, like waking up in the morning, looking out, the snow's underground. Like there is to me, there's nothing better as a non Midwesterner or non Northerner than like when I would visit family in Indiana, like you wake up in December around Christmas time and there's just like a fresh coat of snow on the ground. Like mostly undisturbed. You might see some deer prints or something like that in there. But like it is gorgeous. It's beautiful. If you don't get that and it's just freaking freezing outside mm. and the wind chills are nightmares and you can't go anywhere, that's horrible. Like you need spring to start. For us, like we don't we don't need that. That's we just right. don't. Now Will Vandervoort yelled at me because I talked about snow. And he says we don't need snow. Look, <laughs> snow is again, snow's not a problem. Snow is not an issue. Snow, real snow, not slush, real snow is not a problem. It's the ice and the sleet and the freezing rain that causes the issues. But every 10 years or so, uh, we get snow, and it's a real snow. And, like, you could tell the difference. Like, what you've been saying is snow is not snow when you see the actual snow. I, um, I will admit the announcer's jinx got me on this. Uh-oh. Because Danielle Rouse last year, she she's women's basketball, GA turned uh, point guard. And uh, I I told her, like, in December, I was like, we were having a conversation about seasons. And I was like, just wait, uh, please. Uh, don't judge us for our winners. It's going to snow. Like, it snows every year or ices or sleets or whatever. We're going to have winter precipitation at some point. Never happened last year. Hasn't happened this year. Uh, Danielle may leave Clemson and never, ever see, like, winter precipitation here in this area. You know, the last is, time well, I— That's a bummer. The last time I remember it up here, Quark, was— I think it was two years ago. We had been out to dinner downtown Greenville. It was kind of drizzling, a little light rain. We get home, and we had been home maybe 45 minutes. And we go to let the dog out on the back porch, and I open up the back door. And it was like two inches of snow on the ground just immediately. And uh, I think that was the last significant snow we had in the upstate, maybe two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah. And that was legit snow, too. Yeah, I mean, was that was like, it was, it was really good. And I mean, a, couple of the roads, a couple of the roads were, you know, were rough. Really what happens, and again, I'm, I'm now like... I'm now like uh, Indiana explaining to people because I have family. <laughs> like I've never lived. It. Yeah, honestly, you'd be shocked how many people think I was born in Indiana. Like people will talk about the homeland or whatever, and I'm like, I've I've literally was born in Anderson. Like I I was born in Anderson. I've lived in Anderson, Piedmont, Moonville, Central, Seneca, Clemson. Like I, like I I have not lived that many places, and it's all south. I've literally never lived a day outside of South Carolina. But a lot of folks think that I was born in Indiana because I talk about it so fondly and I've got so much um, so much family up there. My dad's got so much family up there. And I've spent a lot of time up there. And um, But anyway, so, like, my, my dad is always sort of, like, telling me the differences, right? And the thing that gets you when it's just snow is the melting and the runoff and the refreeze. That's what gets you. The melting and the runoff and the refreeze. So I, I, I did paint the picture that, uh, that snow is, like, there's no issues with snow. And it really isn't. It's not ice or sleet or freezing rain. But when it melts, like when it gets to 40 and then it drops down to 25 the next day or whatever, I will say that's a, that's a real problem. So the Will Vandervoorts of the world, I apologize. There are potential downfalls of snow. You're just not going to convince me of any of those. Because I, I want it. 
I just want to see it. And I don't want to go to Virginia or Syracuse or South Bend to go see it. Unbelievable. Uh, all right, let's go to Brett Freelander on our guest lines. He is with SaturdayRoad.com. He is at BeFreedACC on Twitter, and uh, he joins us right now. Brett, what's going on? Not much, but I agree with you 100%. No, it's fun to look at on TV and fun to watch people play football in, but I'd rather be on a beach uh, where it's warm and, and that's the white stuff on the ground, the sand. Uh, you know what? I, I love that. I love where your head's at there, and especially when it's uh, it's it's cold outside. Now, here it's like 65 today, so I can't even pretend. Like, yeah. I'm wearing short sleeves in the studio, so uh, I can't even be so the longing ground, because it's, it's spring here today. The groundhog said it was coming, right? Early spring, right? That's right. So, hey, look. <laughs> That's right. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about a bunch of things. First of all, uh, this is a topic we haven't brought up yet, but uh, we probably should. Right at the end of the show yesterday, uh, there started uh, we started hearing reports about Mike Martin uh, passing away, yeah. legendary Florida State baseball coach. I tweeted that when you've got a guy like that that won that many games, what your competitors say about you is what people should take to the bank. Yeah. And to me, that's the relationship Mike Martin had with the ACC and with baseball. What are your thoughts? Wow, this is scary how you know great minds think alike because that's why i was a little late calling in today i was on the phone with elliot avent talking about um mike martin because i really didn't know the band and i gotta write a column about him and so i have chosen to 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 see what his competitors think i mean you know there are two ways of measuring success in life one is by looking at your resume and and obviously mike martin has got the resume the other is what the people who who should dislike you have to say about you and if they say good things then even you know he beat the living daylights out of all these guys and and brian o'connor at, at, at virginia has been very very complimentary saying that you know when he was a young coach mike martin really helped him out and elliot avent they, they all have nice things to say and so yeah i i i you know it's it, it's a loss, and what's really a shame, by the way, is the way Florida State treated his son. Um, you know, he his son took over for him when he retired, and they just fired him last year, even though he was not having. You know, he he wasn't as successful as his dad, but mm. you know, you turn around and look what happened last year at Link Jarrett's first season, and and <laughs> it was it was still better. So. But yeah, it's 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 a real loss, and I and you know because baseball is college baseball is still kind of a niche sport. I, I'm I'm sure that a lot of people really don't realize how successful, how 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 great a career Mike Martin had. But yeah, it's it's a big loss. I know lots of Clemson fans I know that relentlessly booed Mike Martin, that legitimately <laughs> said nice things about him. I mean, like I I grew up going to, to Florida State Clemson baseball games. And Mike Martin's slow walk to the mound and the way he sort of, like, tried to buy every call. You know, he, he was on the umpires every single game. He's got this all shucks demeanor, but he's very different, um, you know, in, uh, in, in when, sort of between the lines um, as a competitor. I would say Elliot Avent's a little bit like that. Like, it's interesting that you talk to Elliot yeah. because he gives off very similar vibes to Mike Martin in that way. Super nice dude. Hate going against him. Love to, to boo him if, if it's not your team. But, man, nobody said anything bad about Mike Martin because of him as a human being and the way he treated people and the deep respect that everybody had for him and the way he ran his program. 
Yeah, two things. First of all, Elliot A. Benton and him, while there are a lot of similarities, their personalities are 180-degree <laughs> um, opposites. I mean, Elliot is the king of the spin move before getting ejected. Uh, so, you know, he's Mount Vesuvius when things don't go his way. But you're right. He's that southern, down-home, slow-talking kind of uh, kind of uh, home-style uh, coach. The other thing about it, Mike Martin, by the way, I got a little kinship with him because I used to wear number 11 uh, when I was in high school. So uh, so anyway, yeah, it's uh, it, it, you're right. I mean, I, I have not heard one person say anything bad about him, and, and that's something. Visiting with Brett Friedlander here on the program, SaturdayRoad.com. He's at BeFried ACC. Let's talk a little Duke, North Carolina for a second. Um, it's obviously... Uh, are they playing this week? They are. You know what? This weekend. And I, I'll be honest, Brett. I, after watching those two teams, and particularly watching Duke and Clemson battle it out, understanding, and then watching Clemson play North Carolina at Clemson's place, I just thought North Carolina was a better class of team. And then I watched them play this week. And Duke avoided the human nature letdown at Virginia Tech and played very well with a short turnaround on the road. North Carolina, it appeared, did not handle it as well going on the road to Atlanta. Am I making too much of this? Is North Carolina still a class above Duke, or has there been some narrowing of that gap? Yes, you are making too much of it. Okay. And yes, there has and and, and and yes, there has been a narrowing of the gap. Okay. Here's the problem though. I, I, I think the Clemson Duke game is more of a barometer in the fact that I, I think that Duke the way that team is constructed is not it is is not built to handle a team that is that good inside. And 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 you see what what PJ Hall and Ian Shefflin and 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 you know all those guys. Duke did not have an answer for it. If this Duke team had Derek Lively the second on it, it, totally different situation. I mean, we'd be they'd be number one in the nation, and they'd be the team to beat. You know, in, in Phoenix here in a, in a couple of months. But this team is a very good team, a very talented team. But they're like, uh, you know, they're like a donut. They've got, they got a hole in the middle. And, you know, Kyle Filipowski is seven feet tall. But Kyle Filipowski is not a low-post defensive or offensive presence. Um, Mark Mitchell is an effort player who really does, you know, do what they ask him to do, but he's undersized. And, um, and, and Ryan Young is Ryan Young. So, you know, if 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 Armando Baycott does not have a big game on Saturday, I'm going to be surprised. And I think the only way Armando Baycott doesn't have a big game on Saturday is if he gets into early foul trouble. Well, and that, that was my follow-up question. He didn't have a great game against Georgia Tech, and I think Georgia Tech is very similar in that way. So, uh, like, are there things that Georgia Tech did to bother him outside of maybe fouls uh, that limited Baycott that Duke could use? That's a really good question because he, he took four shots in the first, what, before the first, maybe before the second TV timeout. He was three for four, and he took three more shots the rest of the game. Yeah. I, I think, I, I, my, my personal belief after watching that is that UNC got way, way, way too happy with shooting three-pointers. Uh, and and mm. missing three-pointers, by the way. Um, and and <laughs> kind of forgot that he's in there. Um, you know, this UNC team, they, 
I think they got a little cocky. I think they got up 11 on, on, on Georgia Tech midway through the first half. They've won 10 in a row. They just kind of started getting a little overconfident and started playing hero ball and started playing, I'm going to get my ball. And the other thing, too, is I think they also started to rely a little too heavily on R.J. Um, Davis scoring. And uh, I think they need to run some plays for, for, uh, for Armando. They, they need to try to get uh, uh, Harrison Ingram the ball, you know, down on the low post where he can back his guy in because he's so strong and, 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 and score at the rim. And I think they stopped doing that against Georgia Tech. And I think, if anything – that Georgia Tech game may have been a wake-up call. So we shall see. But I, I listen. They're playing at Chapel Hill, and Carolina is coming off a game where they, you know, they got knocked down a peg. I, I, I and 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 I think they've they're they're really not a good matchup for Duke. I, I think all the elements are there for Carolina to win this game and look pretty impressive doing it. Now it's Carolina Duke, so. If Duke wins this game, I wouldn't be shocked because this rivalry, for some reason, almost always delivers. All right, time for a couple more with you, Brett. And I I, I want to talk about this, this narrative about the ACC being beaten down by the <laughs> metrics and this sort of thing. First, first part of the question, what are your thoughts on it? Just uh, get your side of it. And then secondly, at some point, don't these teams have to prove to everybody that they're good? And that they can overcome at least some of these things? Because to me, Wake Forest has lost a couple games recently. Miami's not playing great. Florida State sucked in November and December. Like, some of these teams with the press metrics, I understand the Big 12 argument. I get it. But some of this is for a reason, right? <sighs> a little bit. Um, <laughs> and, and you're right. Wake Forest is not playing great. And... You know, maybe maybe it's because the middle and the bottom of our, of the ACC, other than Louisville, uh, is a lot better than it's been yes. in recent years. And it's tough to win. And it's tough to win on the road. I mean, you know, look at NC State. They look just miserable for three games in a row. And in, in a game that really they needed to save their season. Because if they would have lost to Miami on Tuesday – they would have been in, in some dire straits because they're coming up on the tough part of their schedule. Uh, and, and, and they played with some desperation, and they won. Pittsburgh, right? They, they started out 1-5 in the ACC. Well, you know, I mean, look what happened to Dino Babers. Uh, Jeff Capel, I'm sure, was feeling it. And now they're playing with a little bit of desperation, and, and, and they've gotten their act together. So, listen, the Big 12, look at – Iowa State's strength of schedule. Look at BYU's strength of schedule. Mm -hmm. They are playing the net. They have figured out the Da Vinci Code and are you know are, are playing it to perfection. And of course, there are a lot of people who are so sick of hearing the ACC pound their chest and talk about how great the ACC is and how it's the best you know league ever. And and and, and this is the backlash. This is their opportunity to say, screw you, ACC, and, and they're doing a great job of it. But I, I still think, I still am adamant about the fact that the ACC is going to get at least five teams. All right? I mean, you got Carolina, you got Duke. And last Saturday, I watched Clemson lose to, to, to Duke, and I watched Florida State lose to Carolina, but yet both of them passed the eye test 
I swear both of those teams are, are NCAA tournament teams. And guess what? I think the fifth one is still going to be Virginia. So, you know, I mean, it, it, it's out there. Now, if you ask me, if I were the commissioner of ACC, and unlike Jim Phillips had a clue, here's what I would do, especially with, you know, three more teams coming in. I would cut back to 18 conference games. Yes. Okay? And I would have everybody play everybody once. And then you pick a permanent partner and you play them twice. Okay, so I play 18 conference games. That gives you two more games to play cupcakes early in the season. You know, somebody in the 300s to roll up a 30-point win up and to really, really get your 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 um your net up so that when you start playing each other, you now you're playing quad one games instead of quad two and quad three games. The other thing I would do is and listen, you know me, I am as big of a traditionalist. I love the ACC. I love the ACC tournament. But guess what? This is not the ACC you grew up with. This is not the ACC I grew up with. And it's time. I dumped the ACC tournament because you know what? They're they're racking their brains trying to figure out how to get, get 18 teams in it anyway. So why not just get rid of it and add two extra non-conference games to, to boost your, your – uh, uh, your net up and just play regular season games right up until Selection Sunday. That's very interesting right there. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I do have some follow-up questions there, and we might have to hit it next week because uh, there's a lot that you put on the <laughs> table right there, and we very much appreciate it. Brett, as always, we appreciate it. Enjoy Duke Carolina this weekend, and we'll talk again real soon. All right. Thank you, Daisy. All right. You too. It's Brett Friedlander. A lot of stuff there, and um, we've got some breaking news in college athletics uh, to get to. There's a lot, like, there's a lot going on. Some of y'all reaching out. Like, I see my Twitter notifications blowing up during Brett's interview. What's going to happen? SEC, Big Ten. I, I've got thoughts coming up next. If you're moving a loved one into assisted living and need a stress-free solution for selling their property, Samuel Property Group is here to be your guide. From home evaluation to a hassle-free sale, we handle it all. Let us ease your burden during this transition and receive your check in as little as 10 days. Visit SamuelPropertyGroup.com today and fill out the simple form to be contacted by one of our team members within 48 hours. That's SamuelPropertyGroup.com. plumber fast i always call one tom plumber one tom what here dial the number one then tom plumber or just tell your smartphone to call one tom plumber they promise to be there in an hour call the plumber whose name is his number one tom plumber one tom plumber for over 36 years little john portable toilets has proudly served the upstate from construction to special events Little John Portable Toilets has you covered with worry-free toilet service, delivered, cleaned, and sanitized, serving the upstate and further when possible. Portable toilets, handicap, hand wash stations, holding tanks, executive restroom trailers. And if you have a question, we have a live person to talk with. Little John, family owned and operated, 800-499-5667 and at littlejohntoilets.com. Looking for a job with a company that's focused on family? Glen Raven's Anderson Plant, maker of high-quality Sunbrella products, is hiring now. As a family-run company offering competitive hourly rates to help you support your family, you'll enjoy premium benefits, including a pension program and much more. 
You'll qualify for a $1,500 sign-on bonus. And once you're hired, if you refer someone who gets hired, you'll get a $2,000 referral bonus too. If you're experienced or willing to be trained, apply today at join.sumbrella.com. The Southeastern Wildlife Exposition, SeaWee, returns to downtown Charleston February 16th through 18th with new and returning special events. Don't miss dock dogs and herding demos at Brittlebank Park, birds of prey flight demos at Marion Square, live animal shows by Jeff Corwin at the Galliard, the sporting showroom at the Charleston Marriott, and so much more. Tickets start at $35. Kids 10 and under are free. Don't miss SeaWee, the wildest time in Charleston. Get your tickets today. Visit SeaWee.com. That's S-E-W-E.com. The Roar, the only media outlet where you won't need a two-step authentication to access. It's going to be exciting. The Roar, where every day's game day. All right, hour one continues out of bounds. William Pogginbush and Mike Vaughn with you. I want to tell you about our friends at Toyota Beasley. Go online to toyotaveasley.com today. Uh, their name means a great deal because for decades they've been providing a certain quality of service, and I'm talking literally service, like the service department has provided a high level of quality, the highest, as a matter of fact, President's Award winners. Also, the sales staff uh, operates with integrity, performs the highest quality of service to you as well. That website, toyotaofeasley.com, pick out and customize a new Toyota. It's that easy. You can do it on the website. They'll deliver it to uh, to the lot, and then you can drive it off the lot same day. You can even start the paperwork process online. It's a great resource uh, there at toyotaveasley.com. You can also check the pre-owned lot. They have great, great deals always on pre-owned vehicles. That's Toyota Beasley on Highway 123 and toyotaveasley.com. That's Toyota Beasley where their name means a great deal. Uh, during the break, and really during the last segment, I would say, I, I want to go back to some things that Brett said because I – I, I do think that some of this uh, is unfortunate, um, the way that these conversations are being had. And I want to reclaim a little bit from the analytics. And also, I want to sort of bury some of it, okay? So I'm going <clears> to <throat> – people think I'm going to defend the analytics. And I am to some degree because it's not just in the net that analytics are taking a beating this week. Uh, Dan Campbell is the analytics guy. and People are just – I mean, just crushing analytics uh, because – that's what they see his decision-making as, so I want to talk about that. Um, but here in just the last little bit, uh, within the last half hour or so, um, there has been some movement on the uh, college athletics front that I think is very interesting. This is, with again, within the last hour, Ross Dellinger from Yahoo Sports is reporting that uh, this is what he says – Uh, about 20 minutes ago, as a matter of fact. Uh, Big Ten and the SEC are creating a joint advisory group of presidents and ADs in an urgent mission to find solutions and steer college sports into the future. Greg Sankey's quote to Yahoo Sports says, quote, pressures are mounting. We are not going to be status quo. Close quote. Uh, This is what Sam Gillenwater writes in On3. says the SEC has since released a statement that explains the reasoning behind the group that they formed with the Big Ten. It says, quote, The Big Ten Conference and Southeastern Conference today announced the formation of a joint advisory group of university presidents, chancellors, and athletics directors to address the significant challenges facing college athletics and the opportunities for betterment of the student-athlete experience. 
These challenges included but not limited to recent court decisions, pending litigation, and patchwork of state laws, and complex governance proposals compel the two conferences to take a leadership role in developing solutions for a sustainable future of college sports. The advisory group will engage with other constituencies as necessary, including consultation with student-athletes and other key leadership groups from within both conferences. Close quote. First thought here. This is something, someone, some organization filling a power vacuum. I was actually talking to one of my buddies about this. We have different views on the world. And, I mean, I think he was being a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but he was talking about he lives in Europe. And um, one of the things he talked about today was basically anarchy, like bringing down leadership structures. And one of the things that happens when you bring down leadership structures is that you don't have a leaderless situation. Somebody steps up. The movie The International. Um, God, why am I drawing a blank on the lead? This came out probably 15 years ago. It came out when I was in college. You ever seen this? No, sir. It was, I'll think of the guy's name in a minute, the lead in it. It's a, it's a good movie because it talks about like, like this, a secret organization, CIA or something like that, trying to take down this big world bank or this big like huge conglomerate of banks that were doing lots of illegal things. And they did. And they killed or arrested or something like they, they got the leader of the organization and the whole scene in the opening or in the closing credits, the entire time the closing credits are made, it's a series of news headlines and newspaper stories about how the leadership of the bank was exposed and the power structure of the bank was removed. And then it says a new power structure developed and it keeps growing in power and blah, 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 blah. And by the end of the credits, you're right back where you were. Was it uh, Clive Owen? Clive Owen. There we go. All right. That's what it is. Clive Owen. Great movie. If you want to remember that the way the world works is not that you just remove a powerful person and nothing takes its place. I mean, look at geopolitical situations in the last 50 years. You don't just remove world leaders without a plan and have everything go according to your plan as there's no power. Somebody is taking power, and it might be somebody you don't like, and it might be somebody that you like even less than the person that you didn't want to have it in the first place. Yeah, it might make it worse. So that's what I want to say. It is a reminder once again that, as we say, power abhors a vacuum. Vacuums don't exist for long. Somebody will fill it. There is no commissioner. There is no leadership body. The NCAA is doing nothing but lose in court now. It can't do anything because all of its solutions are being laughed out of courtrooms and challenged. They can't actually move forward. So the SEC and the Big Ten, I applaud them for stepping up and saying, you know what, we've got to have a path forward here. Now, let me also say this. There, there is also, uh, within this sort of conversation and within the sort of gobbledygook of the answer that we know, they hit all the buzzwords, man. If you're playing buzzword bingo, like NCAA Administrator Bingo, they just won. Uh, they, they just won uh, Administrator Bingo because they hit every single... Enrich the student-athlete experience. Yeah, that's what this is about. That's what this is about. And we're totally going to bring in as-needed student-athletes. We're totally going to do that. And the only reason we're going to say that, really, is because the courts will say you have to. We're going to do that begrudgingly. But really what we want to do is we want to make a bunch of money, and we want to get the sport in a good spot, and we want to protect our coaches and administrators, which is fine. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Because as we've seen, bending and this is horrible. This is horrible. Bending over backwards for student-athletes at the expense of a structure brings breakdown everywhere 
Fans see it. Presidents see it. ADs see it. Coaches see it. And I think student-athletes probably see it too. Bending over backwards, going the direct opposite direction, the exact opposite direction of what we were doing in athletics, where the administrators and the the sort of adults had all the power, and now we're giving it to the, the student-athletes. That, that, I mean, neither extreme is good. You need sort of a marriage, a blend of the two. But the way this is going to work is the SEC and the Big Ten are going to set up rules for themselves. And then they are going to sort of dare anybody else to stop them from doing that. And then whatever happens is going to happen. And you also notice that the ACC and the Big 12 and the Mountain West and all these, the American, like they're nowhere to be found. What is this? Notice that the advisory group will engage with other constituencies, but no other leagues. They are plotting their own path forward based on their level of revenue, their ability to pay for whatever it is, their ability to convince their media partners to go along with whatever it is. They are, instead of what Charlie Baker's saying, where the NCAA is going to just do the, hey, we we need a League Zero. I was talking to a coach about this not too long ago. A a League Zero or Division Zero or whatever, above Division One that's paying NIL and then we'll have collective organizations and they can do all this stuff and maybe we'll talk about funding full scholarships for equivalency, uh, non-equivalency sports and and that kind of stuff. Maybe the SEC and the Big Ten are just going to say, we'll do that. If you're with us, we're going to do that. Um, I also got a couple questions on this about Florida State here, expansion, about Clemson. Um, before I get to that, there's one other thing that, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to bring this up, but this, this grates my nerves a little bit. John Hyde brought this up to me during the break. The SEC and the Big Ten are coming together to form an alliance, will we say, to look out for the best interests of student-athletes. Is that right? Is that what I'm... That's what I heard that, you say. That's basically what this is? Yeah. What happened the last time a group of leagues decided to form an alliance to look out for the best interests mm. of sports? I mean, wasn't it laughed at and soundly rejected it in the kinda, minds of many people it kind of fizzled and you know what it was right it was the way that they sold it was not the way that it was used which is fine because the way that it was used is the way that everyone should have known it was used if i recall those were that was around the time of covid i may have been at my house but i remember saying specifically this alliance between the big 10 and the pac-12 and the acc which by the way broke up when the big 10 Coach schools from the Pac-12, and by the way, it had no further use. The only thing they wanted to do is not let the SEC run roughshod over college football and college athletics. That's all. Now, again, they shrouded it in this administrator gobbledygook. They shrouded it in all this language. But every idiot knew that this was what they were going to do. And then when they accomplished that goal, during around the time of COVID and just after, when they accomplished the goal of not giving the SEC a monopoly on control, then there was no need for the alliance. So again, like Brett Freeland, Brett is a friend of mine, but we have a fundamental disagreement on the alliance because I say it did its goal. I don't care what they said it, the goal was. Everybody knew what the goal was. Yeah, I mean, alliance was stupid if you thought it extended beyond the SEC, not letting the SEC make every rule for everybody. Right? Well, nobody said, the, the initial response to this, nobody's saying that. And I think it's because everybody knows that the next thing that happens in college athletics is that the schools that are currently making the most money, which as of like this summer, are going to be the SEC and the Big Ten. They're going to start raking it in. They're the ones that are going to set the rules. They're going to take the, the, uh, the, the realm of college athletics into the future. 
So this does seem natural that they would do this. And it and it seems to me, Quark, that this kind of puts an end to the the talk that the SEC and the Big Ten are finished with expansion. Oh yeah, because here's here's another thing that's happening. Fans of other teams and other conferences. You know what? That's stupid. Now I'm using a minister of gobbledygook. Clemson <laughs> and Florida State. Okay. Now the fans are going to really start wringing their hands and go, "Uh oh, we." And it's this desperation of we can't get caught dead in these other conferences when they decide what they're going to do, mm. and then start doing it, because then we're finished. With where we see ourselves, with what we see our athletic departments as being capable of doing, we are finished. This is where I would remind you that for a year, probably more than a year, the Clemson folks have been telling everyone Clemson will end up in a good spot. Graham Neff has never backed down from that publicly, and this is important, or privately. This is not Graham Neff sitting in a back door in a back room sweating and wiping his brow and then going out to the board and going out to donors and going out to booster meetings and going and telling people that everything's going to be fine but when it's in his heart he doesn't believe that. I still think that the ultimate breakaway is either going to be something that doesn't look really like a conference. It looks more like, like uh, Texter said, NFC, AFC. It looks more like that. Just a way to collect some of these and then we'll just split them off and it'll be fine. Um, we'll do scheduling pods or whatever you want to call divisions, but there's going to be divisions in this. And whoever wants in is going to, is going to get in because I think it, very quickly the, the, the media partners are going to understand this. So that's going to happen. It may not even be two. It might just be one big conglomerate. But the point is, SEC Big Ten is a little bit of a misnomer. And Clemson and Florida State and others are going to have a spot in there. Hour 2, Mackenzie Clark is next. WCCP-FM 105.5, Clemson, Greenville, Anderson. WAHT AM 1560, Cowpens. 97.5, Spartanburg. We are the Roar.